0: Welcome to opening up our new podcast. And we speak to Rosanna Davison as our first guest about the loneliness of fertility, raising her brood, and romance with Hubby Wes. The last time we caught up was at the Style Awards. How
1: did you look so amazing? Thank you. Um, my husband was <laughs> very good put the kids to bed so I could head out a little bit earlier. Usually they head to bed at seven and I think I left the house at about six and they were all staring at me wide-eyed because usually they just see me at home in my old clothes, usually a a legging and hoodie combo. So uh, they couldn't, you know, believe what what I was wearing and I just decided I wanted to wear something fun and a bit different and, you know, it's a style award so you don't want to look too kind of predictable yeah and you you won as well didn't you you won some award that night I did it was um look of the year which look of the year I knew I was it was for um the outfit I wore the the gossies back in April and I knew I was nominated but I you know, I feel sort of embarrassed doing any campaigning on Instagram or anything like that. So I just left it. I didn't do anything. And obviously, someone out there voted for me. And I'm so grateful because Aww. it was it was a huge shock, though, Siobhan, because I'd been so focused on just trying to get out of the house without you know, sticky handprints all over my dress or crumbs on me from the kids that I kind of didn't even think about the awards part and didn't think for a second that I'd win anything. And of course, I, did, I was totally shocked. I, I was lost for words, which usually oh. <laughs> never happens to me. Do you know, like I think a lot
0: of people would assume that you have so much help that you don't go out like the rest of us with the panic of the stress of, I always have one eyelash hanging off, or you know. But you mentioned something to me really interesting that night. You said to me, normally the kids are just there, they're you know the exact same as all of the moms, and that's really interesting to me. You know that you're exactly the same because regardless of how much help we have, our kids always want us.
1: Yeah. The end and that's of the, day. the thing. And we I mean, Wes goes to work, um, you know, into town every day. So we do have a childminder at home, but I never leave her alone with the three of them because it's too much to manage things like naps and you know, getting them changed, meal times, because they're, you know, they're great kids, but they're wild, you know, they're toddlers. So <laughs> they run around, they grab things and they climb on things. So it's always me and her at home. Um I I rarely unless my mum comes along to, to help bring one of them out I can't really get out of the house on my own so I do end up bringing one of them usually Sophia out with me if I have to pop out you know to the post office or to an appointment or shops though it is I mean it's the juggle as they say the juggle is real and it's the juggle yeah. of parenthood I was wondering about that word because I was thinking about that earlier hmm. the juggle there's no
0: really other other words we can use is there
1: it's just a constant sort of weighing up of, you know, should I do this today? Will it interrupt with a nap time? And of course, having three of a similar age. So Sophia is uh, two and a half and the, our, my twin boys are one and a half. So they have a nap say mid-morning at around 11 till 12 15 12 30 Sophia doesn't have a nap until the afternoon in between that I have to get their lunch out (laughs) clear up lunch you know and they all throw their food it's ridiculous do they so there's an awful lot you're a foodie like I know that you have
0: your vegan life but you're really into food just like me we're very into nutrition and so you're very interested in making all the food from scratch And we did mention this the last time that you do like introducing fish.
1: Yeah, I've been vegan for 10 or 11 years now, but I feel it's important for a growing child, you know, a growing brain to, you know, benefit from the fatty acids in fish and then, you know, the nutrients and say eggs. So um, we don't eat that much meat in in our house. And my husband, Wes, doesn't really eat a lot of meat either. He likes (laughs) salmon. A, so lot they of, all, a lot of
0: vegetarians, like, say their husband
1: <laughs> tends to <laughs> want a bit of steak on the pan. <laughs> he used to, but he sort of went off it. I think maybe it's an age thing, but he began to find it more difficult or heavy to digest kind of red meat. And, um, you know, he. Know, what was always he, interesting
0: to me is that you never pushed that on him.
1: You never no, said, well, you must do this. I've. <laughs> I found out early on from my family telling me how incredibly annoying I am (laughs) that, um, you know, when I, when I finished up saying my first degree in nutrition and I went on and did a master's a few years later, but when I finished, finished up that first course, you know, I'd sit at the table and say, maybe, maybe you really shouldn't be having that, or maybe add more greens, or yeah. did you order, you know, spinach <laughs> on the side? And they'd say, just say, shut up. We want to enjoy our meal. Who life. would say shut up now? So, you know, this would the be brother. Christopher, Christopher, or Diane? <laughs> more so my little brothers, you know, little brothers kind of yeah. tell you what you don't want to hear. They're, they're not afraid to say it as it is. Um, but yeah, I figured out early on that people don't really want to be told what to eat. So I did... You know, I did stay quiet and actually maybe leading by example is the best way. So I'd maybe order, you know, a side salad or broccoli on the side or something. And I found over time that they'd increase their intake then of of vegetables and things like that. And maybe skip the bread basket or skip the dessert.
0: Well, actually, you know what? I said this to my, I, I trained to be personal trainer when the SH1T hit the fan and I lost my radio job. And I remember training to be a personal trainer. And I remember one of the first things was reach for the things you think you don't want first, which Mm -hmm. was a really good tip. I don't know what your tip is, but to me, like even dipping something like a broccoli stick into maybe a nice pesto Mm. is a good way. So it's all about, I suppose, recalibrating our brain because when you do that, then you actually do feel fuller for longer and more satisfied. And I'm wondering your tips because you're, we we look at you and we think Miss World, right? But you're a qualified nutritionist, not only, like, as you say, degree, masters. And um, So for my, I'd love to know what your take on that is, because I feel that when you start reaching for the better things, you feel better. Mm. And you it's do, interesting, and but you can you still get taste over, you can still get the taste, but it's about the quality and it's about the, you know, calibration of the quality. So, you know, can you still get that satisfaction. And I, I, I'm finding that now when I try and dip for like, you know, a pesto dip or I dip mm. for like hummus with the broccoli,
1: it can actually work. I find, you know, I would be maybe an advocate of intuitive eating where you think, well, what do I feel like I need or what do I need today to help ensure a balance in in my intake today? Um, I find then that I do tend to reach for the more kind of fibre rich plant foods. So, you know, I have been following a plant-based diet for about 10 years and it started really out of curiosity and then I mm. began to realize that I felt good on it and my energy was better and you know I felt um that I was sleeping better and, and seeing benefits. Um, I would say though, with a plant based diet or vegan diet, you do need to be careful to plan it out properly so that you're not just relying on processed foods and you know mm. um easy options or you know, as I say, fake meats, things like that. you do want to make sure you're you're getting the full range of nutrients and obviously supplementing with your vitamin b twelve but I would always try to go for the foods that are least processed, you know foods that are rich in fiber. I just find that eating them more. Kind of minimally processed plant foods like your fruit and veg, your whole grains, nuts and seeds. You know, I'd eat lots of foods like tofu, things like that. And they make me feel fuller. Um, and more satisfied whereas I find if I'm eating more processed foods like you know white bread or white would you would you Rosanna would you cereal. eat that at all oh listen I do I love a takeaway I love a Friday night pizza or oh. an Indian takeaway with all the trimmings but I do find that you know maybe you're you're full at the start but it doesn't kind of keep you feeling that full or that satisfied yeah. later on and you know I just feel better I digest better I sleep better when I'm just eating more kind of minimally processed foods and um, more fresh foods. And
0: I do you think we need to like rechange the narrative because I think a lot of us tend to look at calorie counts mm. and that potentially, I remember years ago, uh, one of our many editors <laughs> in our reach group said to me, but Siobhan, look at this like rice cake or look at this, these crisps. They have the same calories mm. as for instance, you know, something a bit more An healthier.
1: apple or... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Why is it better to have... that? That's a good question for a nutritionist because I, I feel that that's something that we're missing.
1: Yeah. Well, for example, I never count calories. I don't oh. particularly believe that it's beneficial. I think you can get very caught up in using, you know, the apps in your phone. Maybe you lose sight of... The intuitive side of eating and thinking about what what feels good to your body or 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 what you actually you know want in a meal, and so I never calorie count, but I do um you know pay attention to how I'm feeling. Am I feeling stuffed? I try and stop before I'm absolutely stuffed full. You know, eat oh, until you're three quarters oh, full. Again, reach for the the fiber rich foods because they're the ones that fill you fill you more efficiently and um don't play havoc with your blood sugar levels. So again, it's the difference between maybe a, a chocolate bar with 100 calories versus an apple with 100 calories. You know, the apple is a natural food. It's rich in antioxidants, vitamins and minerals, but also the fiber helps to minimize maybe the spike in blood sugar that yeah. refined sugar would would, would have. So, so it's it's quality over quantity.
0: Yes. Amazing. And now my John loves making this thing called nut bar. And I think you'd love his recipe. And it's literally a little bit of maple with just, I know, but I know you're a chef as well. Well, wow, used to
1: be. I, was, I feel like I just make <laughs> baby food now. But, you
0: know, toddler <laughs> Baby food
1: I know. But he he makes this.
0: And then For a while I was like, oh God, if I eat this, will I gain weight or whatever? And then I was researching it and I was saying about the nuts and seeds and how we should actually eat those because they're better for you because they keep you fuller for longer, more satiation.
1: And I do think we're, we're kind of losing- You need less, I think. You yeah. you know, a smaller amount, I suppose it's similar with dark chocolate as well. A smaller amount um, is more satisfying than, you know, maybe the whole bar. And certainly with the nuts and seeds, yeah, you can benefit from- Again, that you know the the oils, the fats are beneficial. The fatty acids, and um, again, you've got the fibre, protein, and um, various minerals. Nuts tend to be um, richer in um, minerals like calcium, magnesium, and um, some of them have a little bit more iron. And again, it's just about reaching for the 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 natural foods um, as Never, opposed yeah. to, to the processed foods. And really when you look at it like that, it becomes more simple to, you know, to plan your meals and snacks throughout the day. But again, you don't have to be absolutely perfect. You know, a lot of people find the 80-20 rule works for them where You know, you can have maybe your lunchtime sandwich and then in the evening your stir fry or your, Mm. you know, your salmon with your rice and veg. Like my husband, again, is a big fan of, you know, say salmon with broccoli and rice in the evenings and and the kids like that too. Well, the broccoli sometimes. I'm, I'm I'm loving the Wes buzz here. So Wes
0: is your gorgeous hobby and you've been through so much. I mean, the last time we spoke, you're worried about your, the biological mom in Ukraine, like being over there and you've been through the mill. Loads of people would look at your life, as that and think you've got it all sorted. You're perfect. And they would probably mm. wouldn't realize what you've been through to have your family. Would that well, right?
1: that's it. And really, I chose to speak publicly about our fertility journey and our surrogacy journey and the struggles we faced on the road to have our family, because you know, I I didn't want people to think that I had this perfect life. You know, Mm. I was quite good at putting on a smile and pretending everything was okay on the outside, but we, you know, behind closed doors, we're going through an awful lot of um, difficulties and, and challenges. And, you know, I think it's an important lesson for us all to remember that you you don't know what goes on behind closed doors in people's private lives. And it's so important not to judge, you know, not to ask difficult, insensitive questions, you know, to just be very, I suppose, accepting and non-judgmental about other people's choices or or the road they decide to take and um, obviously it's nobody's business until you decide to share the information either but yeah yeah, we we got married in 2014 and waited a year or two and decided to try for a baby and it, it did happen very quickly and it was all very exciting I told my family at five weeks or, or so that I was pregnant and I couldn't mm. believe it had happened mm. that easily and yeah. you know my mom did say you know be a little bit cautious it's very early and, and so she, Anne, your mom is very 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 close to you and I yeah. love your bond
0: and your nana and like your whole family like you're so close so she she was mentioning be cautious
1: Yeah, she she had her own fertility struggles and she had multiple miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy as well. I mean, that was the only, back in 2016, that was the only kind of, my only understanding of infertility or fertility problems was my mom. And I just thought, well, that was 30 years ago. So things Mm. have have presumably Mm. changed and, you know, miscarriage wasn't on my radar. A couple of my friends I I knew had had a miscarriage, but they went on then to have full term healthy pregnancies. And I thought that's just the way it works. I feel like maybe six or seven years ago, fertility wasn't discussed in the same way it is now and people were always saying to me you know I was newlywed so people were always looking at my stomach or asking when I would settle down and have a family. And they would always and, look at your stomach I mean isn't that unbelievable? Again I think we have progressed and mm. the conversation has progressed mm-hmm. in a positive way I mean there's obviously always more work to do as well in, in developing our, our understanding of what difficulties people face on the road to have a family but I think and um, we've become generally more sensitive um about what questions we asked and how we maybe frame the conversation. Rosanna you've actually helped with that. I hope because so I, I hope I've contributed in some way to you know, a positive change in in the the conversation about fertility and I think it's only through it's the power of sharing our stories and you know, so many different, I suppose, women in the public eye in Ireland have come forward and shared their stories about miscarriage or pregnancy loss, you know, at any stage, you know, whether it's early on in the pregnancy or later on or stillbirth or surrogacy, you know, there there are so many elements to fertility that are important to discuss. We all have a different maybe journey or or different route to get yes. to a family, but we share. So many similar emotions, uh, you know, in terms of the loneliness that you feel or the, the fear you have of talking about miscarriage or fertility struggles or, you know, the, the trauma that you face from going through it, you know. Absolutely. And I and don't want people to go through that alone. I, I you know, no, people need and to I feel think, confident I we, in we've talking really about
0: it. You've really helped with that. And also, it's interesting, isn't it? That when, as soon as you get the ring in your finger, like what you're saying there with the tummy, it's assumed.
1: You know, which I, I, I remember, find. yeah. Do you, yes, you, you remember I got married? You can have children. No, <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, I remember we went to Electric Picnic, um, Wes and I, um, I think it was a few months after we got married, and I drove us down because, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I didn't mind at all driving down for the day, soaking up the atmosphere. It was easier. We, I don't think it was too late anyway when, when <laughs> we got tickets to even book a hotel. So I was happy to drive anyway. Would you not be like camping, we, Rosanna? <laughs> we bumped into and far too old um, we bumped into people there and they were watching me drink my like, tea or whatever it was or coffee and looking at my stomach saying well, you're not drinking is there a reason why you're not drinking and I just said well, I'm, I'm just happy to drive because if I was drinking I'd only have a couple of beers and that would be it anyway so there's no point I know, um, you know, so I did face that a lot
0: they assume and well, Irish people assume the minute you're not drinking you're pregnant Yeah, you find that (laughs) every time I went like and I I would I would kind of drink quite a lot. Not not a lot, but I I like drinking. But at the same time, every time I went somewhere and then I was working at it or something, oh, you're pregnant. And then that does great on you in your situation. I remember you mentioned to me one time you said, Shiv, when I was pregnant, a journalist said to me. Sorry, when you weren't pregnant and you were trying to get pregnant, a journalist asked you and you had had a very, very unfortunate incident.
1: There were a number of occasions that you and that was one time journalists did used to ask me and I'd have to say, well, I'm too busy with work and, you know, or I've got contractual obligations, which mean I have to travel later in the year. And That was all true, but you can still get around these things, I suppose. You can still travel when you're pregnant yeah. up until a certain point. But I think I just had a a, a pregnancy loss and I had a 14 consecutive um pregnancy loss as well 15th later on as well but all at around the six and a half week mark and another time i i think it was just after my first pregnancy loss we were at a family gathering and um a, a cousin or an aunt said to me you know you really should be um settling da- not settling down she knew i was married but um yeah. you really should be thinking about having a baby how old are you and i said oh, i'm 32 i think i was and she said well i had my first at 22 And I, you know, inside I was dying. I was heartbroken. I was just trying to, I was reeling from the shock of this um, miscarriage. And on the outside, I was saying, well, I think I'm too young to have a baby right now. I, I have too many career goals to focus on. And, you know, she had no idea that I was going through this trauma inside me. And, you know, I just put it down to maybe it was, she was a slightly older lady let's say and maybe she was just unaware that it was maybe a little bit insensitive to talk Mm. about these things or a little bit too personal and maybe she grew up thinking it was perfectly normal to discuss uh, the female reproductive system and and another person's uterus um but you know the interesting thing was that nobody said to Wes you know when are you thinking of settling down and having a family and, you know, taking time off work to, to enjoy a newborn. You know, no one ever said that to and, him. And, yeah. And paradoxically. Yet we're I think, both working parents. Yeah.
0: But paradoxically, I think men struggle because men, if they have a baby, right, they have literally, they have a baby and people assume that they don't have any emotion about it as well. Like, so I would assume for Wes during all those times, he was inside dying as well. He was, and, and yet and nobody, nobody is talking about Wes, some of the man. And I, I also think that's quite relevant for Irish society to kind of get real with. You know, men is, have feelings too.
1: Um, men are the fathers. They it's you their know. dream loss as well yeah. a lot of the time, and I think it's a really important conversation to have. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, it was Wes's dream to have a family. Actually, before, before, before four I yours. got crudy, it was <laughs> kind of him saying, oh, I can't wait to have kids. And, you know, he grew up with, um, there were, there are four siblings in his family and I have two brothers. So, you know, we came from families with siblings, we had that wonderful childhood experience. And that's what we wanted to to have as a family as well in the future. So we both knew we wanted children. And it was after we got married that I was the one saying, oh, you know, I just released my first cookbook. And I was saying, well, let's just wait a little bit longer and I'll get through the, the cookbook <laughs> yes. part and then we'll try. Mm-hmm. And it was him who wanted to start earlier. So um you know it was his dream, it was his future Lost each time we had a pregnancy loss as well. But he was almost expected to kind of pick up the pieces, pick me up, you know, dust everything yeah. off and then keep going. And, you know, there was a, an incident, I remember, and um, maybe a year into us trying to, to have a baby where he was yeah. out with his friends. And by that stage, a lot of his friends had maybe one or two children and they were in this sort of fatherhood bliss kind of stage and he'd had a few drinks and he came home to me and um we were just lying in bed and he just burst into tears and he was like Rosie this is so hard I just want a, a family I just want a baby so much and he was saying all his friends were talking about their kids and Obviously, saying you know they were sleep deprived, and you know they were getting up on Saturday morning and watching cartoons at six in the morning. But they were watching
0: Paw Patrol whereas, while you were yeah. still
1: you know hungover and fine. Yeah, <laughs> was just saying? I just want that. You know, yeah. and that was the first time oh. I thought, my goodness, this is really affecting him. He had been so strong up until then, and he was the one you know wiping my eyes every time. Yes, yeah. I'd, I'd fall apart. And nobody's talking about the men. Nobody's actually saying about them.
0: And I think actually, because it's the, yeah. the
1: female, it's our physical yeah. loss. It's our physicality. It's, it's
0: their loss, their yeah. biological loss too. It really is. But like, I love how you've sort of targeted a taboo, essentially. Like, I know you didn't, mm. like, with your prowess, you didn't mean to. But what you've done is basically start the conversation. And well, um, do you know, I know what, I was so...
1: Fed up. Sorry, I was so fed up yeah. of feeling ashamed of my body and embarrassed that my body wasn't doing what it was mm. designed to do, you know, from a reproductive perspective. Yes. Um, I was so fed up of looking around at my friends who were seemingly having these um very straightforward, easy, healthy pregnancies and thinking, why can't my body do that? What's wrong with me? Am I broken? Am I dysfunctional? And I sort of Did a lot of work on on myself in that time and and got through it and made peace with the idea that I was the girl who couldn't have a baby without medical intervention or without a surrogate. And I I did. I I very much came to terms with it. I was very comfortable in talking about it. I remember this was before I went public with it, but I remember being at a wedding or event and and a stranger, a couple saying, So do you guys have kids? And I said, No, I can't have a baby myself actually. We're we're looking at surrogacy. And I remember the girl been quite calm about it but her oh. partner kind of going <gasps> and he walked away he couldn't, oh my god he couldn't sort of deal with the news yeah. he couldn't deal with someone talking like that and I remember thinking goodness you know maybe people aren't ready to hear this but I'm certainly ready to talk about it and that How brave really of you. How brave. began well it yeah. began me thinking like people need to talk about this we need to have this conversation that not mm. everybody can have children in the traditional sense Um, And at that stage, we were kind of halfway, say, into our surrogacy journey. And um, we, you know, we're making progress on that. So I just thought, why can't I talk about it? This is the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. It's, you know, the the biggest decision we've ever had to make to, to have somebody carry our child thousands of miles away. Why shouldn't I feel like I can talk about it? If you don't mind
0: me saying, Rosanna, I just feel you're so brave. And a lot of people would look at you and say in their minds, this girl has it all. But to to speak about that openly oh. is really, really brave. What did it give to you? Like, Brené Brown always talks about vulnerability. Mm. So when you actually showcased your vulnerability, people, oh my God, the nation. You're on the front page of the mirror. You're on the front page. <sighs> of, you know what I mean? Like, and like but that is a really, really cool thing that you did
1: it was just me sharing the reality of my life and, and me being fed up of pretending everything was fine when it wasn't. Yeah. And yeah. that was what it was. And I, you know, just me thinking we need to have this chat you know, and I suppose social media was such an important tool and still is in, in sharing these stories and in sharing these conversations, because um, as I said, a few minutes ago, there's so much power. It's so empowering to, for, for women and men to, to come together, to share our experiences, share our stories, to, to make others feel less alone. And I suppose my my whole sort of motivation was surely there's someone else. Surely there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of women and couples going through this. Why should they go through the heartbreak and feel alone like I did when, you know, I I might be able to give them some kind of sense of, of comfort or, or, you know, some kind of help in, in what we've been through. Yeah. But then saying that I, I wasn't brave enough to share our story as it was happening. I, I shared it once no, we but had like, some why kind would you, of why would happy results. Well, you, you,
0: you need your own space. You need your own sense
1: of self and you, you know? need to establish it. You need to get your head around it. You need to really understand mm. it in your head before you're able to talk about it. And even when I fell pregnant with, Hugo and Oscar in 2020 and Mm -hmm. when it became apparent that I was going to have a full-term healthy pregnancy to not one but two children I had to to really get my head around I had to reverse all I thought I knew about myself which was I was the girl who couldn't have a baby naturally Mm. so I had to go through all of this kind of changing what I thought I knew about myself. And that takes time. And that was before I could even share the news, even with my closest friends. I didn't tell anyone really. A couple of best friends and then our families knew until kind of the halfway point of the pregnancy. Um, So you do have to go through this process of reestablishing your identity I think when, when you've been through a fertility struggle like that and then I went through and I, I've spoken about this before the sense of survivor's guilt where you know I thought you know I've been this public person who's come out and spoken about my fertility challenges and the fact that I can't have a baby myself and now I'm having two babies and <laughs> yes. I felt so guilty for all the, but the why women you and you the feel couples. Guilty? You felt guilty for the others? Or... I did I, I just felt that I I would I suppose received so many emails and messages from from people saying that they were going through something similar and they were going through maybe IVF or looking at surrogacy and you know I felt guilty then that I was suddenly in this position where I was having children naturally and I didn't have to I suppose do much it was sort of a, a simple like i got pregnant easily and out of the blue and it was all a big surprise so it was a totally survivor guilt
0: was it totally out of the blue like it was totally naturally
1: um totally naturally i what had happened was um in i had been on the late late show in the end of february 2020 just before we all went into lockdown unbeknownst to me i was 10 and a half weeks pregnant wow. but i would put down all my symptoms you know, first trimester symptoms to having newborn and just being exhausted and totally out of, you know, off kilter. Um, so I'd had a miscarriage a few days after that in early March, 2020, and I was nearly 11 weeks pregnant. And I suppose that sort of showed me that I'd never, well, I'd never got to that stage of pregnancy. I was a full month or so more than a month past what I usually got to. And then I thought, well, you know, the doctor that night um, in Hollis Street Hospital said to me, you know, be a little bit careful if you don't want to have a, a pregnancy soon after this one, because you'll be probably extra fertile after a miscarriage oh. at this date. But I remember thinking, what if I'm not careful? What if this is a sign that this my body is capable of of growing a pregnancy yeah. We didn't, you know, you, you're you can try without trying if you know what I mean. We weren't <laughs> careful <laughs> without going into detail. Well, I mean, detail, you,
0: are but... married, hon, <laughs> I you are married, hon, Rosie. You are married. That's yeah, okay. I am married. I'm allowed
1: to <laughs> be a wife. Um, but it was then six weeks later or something that I discovered I was expecting Hugo and Oscar. So, um, and you know, it was a total surprise, and we were in lockdown and, um. I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, if if I have another miscarriage again the next month after the previous one, you know, without the family support because we couldn't see anyone, you know, oh, it, it's going to be horrific. But, um, you know, uh, as, as you know, I, I did go on to have the boys and it's just been, the, to me, the greatest miracle. I mean, Sophia's a miracle as well. We had her through surrogacy in 2019. But, you know, to have the three of them within a year, that there's, Three days less than a year between them. So um to have oh, them all in a year was it's just, to me a big know, miracle. You know,
0: like I often think like Aaron and Ayla are like similar kind of no, not similar, but like Aaron is nearly six and Ayla is nearly four. And yet, okay bigger gap than yours but it's been such a blessing to have them all kind of like little pals even though they kill each other do yours kill each other oh my god there's so much fighting like sometimes
1: they do you 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 become shouty mom i become like screechy because i'm like (laughs) don't hit him don't bite him because you're like you know trying to you can see an accident happening in slow motion whether it's sophia and she's that bit bigger and stronger than the boys So she's like pushing them off a step and you can see them kind of falling backwards. And you're like, Oh, or or the boys got their own back. You know, I caught Hugo with, and they have like a toy wheelbarrow. I caught him with it over his head about to wallop Sophia on the head. And the other day, and I like, and I grabbed it off. And so, you know, you're constantly, I've constant anxiety. I'm constantly on my toes wondering what they're about to do next. You know, um, but that's the thing. I mean, it's amazing in so many ways, but it brings out all sorts of emotions in you and ugh. so much love ugh. and affection. And so isn't much, wonderful? But then yeah. the next moment you're like, why would you do that? Why would you bite him? You know, why would but you like, throw your food everywhere? And then confusion and anxiety and part that's, of me going, oh my God, I need a break for 10 minutes. And I you know. just, you know,
0: escape I into mean, a room. Like, even, that's what I mean about you, right? Because we look at you like from the outside in and think okay you've all this help assumably like you've all this (laughs) not true (laughs) no and like you do it all yourself I just Mm. think that's really cool I find I found having after giving birth the anxiety I didn't have the postnatal I don't think but I just I feel this weird anxiety happen to me after having kids Mm. I'm suddenly not myself for a long time and I'm still not really myself and I I, yeah I I wonder Mm what you think about that because I just feel this anxiety thing that I have it is probably normal but nobody really talks about it um, yeah but it's definitely like in me and I kind of yeah like I go to the gym to release it I do think mothers we are harboring something
1: yeah, no, it's absolutely 100% because I was never a super anxious person before having kids, but now I am. And it's the hard anxiety to shake. I find once they go to bed in the evening, I'm like, oh, I'm not responsible for anyone. I'm not, you know, oh, trying yeah. to keep little humans alive. I can just relax. But yeah. again, like you, I do find I have to go out for a lot of, I'm more active than ever. I think I'm fitter I than I ever was in the past because, <laughs> so. you know, when the boys go down for their nap, I'd get a bit of work done or I'd go to the, we just have a home gym. So I'd pop in for half an hour and just relieve stress. And it's, That's it's great that, that you time. Just, you don't, need, you don't need a trainer or anything. You just do it yourself. I, the, the girl, the trainer, I used to go to, Jessie Kavanagh and throughout, I went, started in 2017 and then I went for my prenatal training as well with her. But I, yeah, I haven't stepped foot in the gym since I had the boys. It's just because I can't justify the time out. I just can't I leave the house for that long unless it's for a good reason or unless I have one of them with me. So yeah, I just do it. She sends me routines to do, and I just try and go maybe three times a week, do one upper body and two lower body um, sessions. But I'm quite disciplined. Like I don't procrastinate anymore like I used to because I'm like, okay, I have half an hour. I have to do (laughs) it. You no time. You just put in on the music and you get going. And then I do a lot of Walks with the the buggies and you know into yeah the I always park see on your Instagram you're on the walks it's just to, yeah. to kill time with them and get I them know. out of the house so they're not wrecking the house
0: <laughs> so cute you don't show them on Instagram I don't think I've never no, seen no I
1: find a lot I mean I'm very happy to show them to whoever asks you know if I'm just with someone but we just feel Wes and I and we've always felt since Sophia came along that we want to respect their security and their their privacy for as long as possible until they're old enough to decide to be on the internet or not I mean it's I suppose about to us anyway and every parent is different and I would never judge any parent's decisions no but I, I think when you when you talk about this I feel so guilty as have so, mine all over the internet you're so gorgeous, <laughs> but you know, terrible. out. I get my cuteness out by just sending loads of pictures to our grand or our family oh. group WhatsApp because yeah. they are so cute. And some days mm. I just think, oh, I'd love to share this, but then I just think, you know, I've heard horror stories about the dark net and photos being taken from people's Instagram, yeah, and probably. then I just want to protect their their security and their privacy. I just feel like like I don't want them to be identifiable to the wrong person at the well, wrong actually, time. Well, actually, because of your because so of your profile all. as well, you know, and because of the story and because of the public nature yes. of, of them being born and that's I know. Part of it as and, well. and what you um, what
0: you did share was you shared to help. So I think that's really empowering, Do you know, and like I think you're dead right. I think keep them off because I have like horror in my mind about oh my god, my kids are going to actually kill me. <laughs> Well, but like I There again know. It's a bit different But you It's know, hard to know
1: It's hard to know Unless they want it? to be spies Or CIA yeah. agents Or you don't know What kind of thing In the future Are you watching it's... anything On Netflix at the moment? Um Have we just watched Stranger Things
0: Oh my god which, I love it Um
1: I loved I thought it was brilliant And um, like
0: Killing Eve Is my newest one I know people have watched That like ages ago And then John's working With the guy Who created Ozark You know Mark oh, Williams Oh cool I love Ozark And John's working with him Brilliant. on a new project and I love Ozark I've watched all of that but I find even if I get one program a night I'm doing yeah. well
1: yeah like one hour <laughs> yeah I know absolutely what I find once they're in bed asleep say I say they're all settled by half seven then there's so much tidying up to do I you know have laundry dishwasher to empty all that kind of thing then I might have by the dinner then I've worked catch up on your email's Texts. I'm desperate at getting back to messages and texts. Either get back to them immediately, or it takes you know five working days. You're the only
0: celebrity that I chat so. to who ever thanks me for an interview. You're oh. the only one. No, you're 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 an absolute lady, and I want oh. to say this in the podcast because uh, we don't normally get to talk. So thanks, thanks be to God, we're doing this now. But you're, the, you're one of the only people who I chat to. Who like say, for instance, if I have you on the front page. You'll say, thanks so much, Yvonne. And is that from your good stock, your gorgeous dad, Krista Berg, and your gorgeous mom, Diane?
1: Yeah. You you obviously wear it very well. I'm just I was brought up to be grateful. Well, thank you. But no, I was brought up to be grateful and I've learned from nearly twenty no, twenty years say in this industry that it can be all just taken away from you quickly. And it's so important to have a good relationship with people you you are friendly with or people you work with or you know, be grateful for it all. Because, you know, I I suppose when I won Miss World back in two thousand and three, I thought well, this will be fun for a year. You know, I didn't have yeah. a career in mind. I didn't think oh, I'll still be doing this 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'll have a bit of fun for the year. I took the year off college. I was in UCD at the time. And then I'll go back, I'll finish my degree. And then I, I used to want to do, and I probably, maybe still will in the future, do something in sort of sports science and nutrition and, oh and God, that kind of area. That'll oh, be so for you. That was kind that'd of the so career. Cool. I I wanted so um, I didn't think then that I would still be here 20 years later and but so much of that is down to just obviously hard work a lot of luck as well Uh, but also just being grateful for for all the opportunities that have come my way, and all the people that have helped me along the way, and hopefully I've helped as well. And I think in a small country in a small industry like Ireland, you know everyone knows everyone else. People talk, and it's just important to be friends with people and well, just to, to be grateful. Would
0: right. you know, like for you, obviously Miss World, and then Playboy.
1: When you got your kit off. <laughs> I nearly off. forgot. I mean, Jesus that. That
0: Christ, the body on years
1: ago this year. What would you, what, what would that. you,
0: what do you think about that? And, uh, do you still have those photos and where are they?
1: <laughs> I do, you know, you wouldn't go Where are hilarious. they now? Right. <laughs> go on I, and see. When I was studying, I had in Sophia's room now, that was my office or my, my study room. So I had my desk up there and everything up there, my computer, everything. And then, so I finished up my, my course, Sophia arrived and brought the desk downstairs, but I would all my Playboy um, magazines in one of the drawers. So when I did the shoot, so I did <laughs> German Playboy, but then the shoot went into American Playboy as well. So I had both them because the PR would have sent me like a pile of them for kind of sending to people or signing, whatever. So I would a pile of them in a drawer. Didn't look like where's i was a wife. He wouldn't be looking at the well, media. So they were just sitting there. It, like, already. No, like no. he was... <laughs> Oh, he sees me all the time the <laughs> pajamas most of the time. I know anyway, poor old John. He just needs drawer. me in the flannels, the <laughs> no, flannels of the new that. sexy. No glamour. Anyway, so we brought the desk downstairs to the living room, which is also the kids' playroom. And only a week ago, the boys have got kind of strong enough and curious enough that they're opening drawers. Okay. And I walk in, they go like I went into the kitchen to make a cup of tea and I left them playing in the ball pit. But then they go quiet and that's always a sign they're optimistic. And I so go in fun. and there is a copy of Playboy on the carpet, and I'm like, "What are you two up to?" And they were tearing apart some other newspaper or magazine or something, and just my my copy of Playboy was just there. And I was like, "Boys, you're far too young to be looking at Playboy, and the Playboy with your mother in it." <laughs> so I had to um I had to remove all the copies of the magazine put them somewhere else. Um but no, I look back and I'm just I'm happy I did it. You know, it was a period in my life where it was the right time, it was just before we got engaged. And um I just felt I, I enjoyed the whole experience. I found it and it's a cliche, but I I did find it empowering to just, you know, sort of own my body and come out and say, well, this is me, here I am. Yeah practically naked um and <laughs> were you kind
0: of all naked or what what well, bits were
1: no the 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 lower parts were covered okay pants okay. on yeah, yeah that was one of know, yeah. and you know what the, the my main <laughs> sort of rule I guess for for the shoot was that I would have full control over the the stylings the location and the photos chosen and what I would wear or not wear so once I was given the full sort of control over it all then I felt well this is fine I can I can ask for it to be kind of I wanted a sort of Amazonian sort of warrior type vibe on the beach so we did that kind of thing sort of a strong woman sort of vibe I, I said from the beginning I didn't want anything sort of lying on the bed and lingerie kind of stuff <laughs> it's been done I wanted something kind of different. that's been done to death so, let's get yeah, the Amazonian so style we off. did that but also like if I
0: was to do that and have the body, like I, used to, I always used to say to my friends when we went traveling, went to shops, they'd be buying skirts. Oh, we can't wear that because they were lawyers or doctors. i said, oh my God, girls, not short enough. Like, you know, if you haven't <laughs> flaunted. Like, I do feel like, I don't know about you, but I just feel there's this kind of like sentimentality. Well, if you're really intelligent and you could be uh, like a qualified nutritionist with a master's like you have, like, can we not have both? Can we not showcase the body that we trained and worked? Like can we not do both in a stylish, sort of very classy way? And like brains and I beauty felt. is what I kind of feel.
1: And I remember saying at the time that I have a degree in sociology from UCD, and part of um uh, part of the degree, one of my um sorry, sort of areas of of what I studied um was feminist mm. literature mm. from a sociological point of view. Yeah. But um I remember Thinking of that when I made the decision to do Playboy and thinking, well, it's, you know, I can look at it from both sides and, you know, um, look at it from the perspective of, of just women being empowered to own their sexuality and own their bodies and, you know, looking I suppose I, I weighed up kind of every angle and everything I'd read about sort of the male gaze and um you know the sort of freedom uh, movement or women's liberation and I don't know I just took all of these things into perspective when yeah. um, I made the decision decision and I thought well I can I can own this I can take control of it I can be proud of my body and feel empowered about it and I love and that, that was what I did Okay. I love that and I think the male gaze also and the male attributes and the male kind
0: of psychology in relation to females is also propagated by the females react like their behavior towards males so I think it's a yeah. double thing I don't think it's like one like solo than the other like I think they're both inextricably linked I yeah. think where we fall down in is we assume, Absolutely. let's be the victim or something like that. But I just don't actually believe in victimhood. I believe you create your own reality. And therefore, if you want to create an empowering gaze, like for instance, I'd love to see a man's body like looking really well, you know, like I'd love to see a nice Absolutely. torso it's, looking really it well. It goes
1: both ways. You know? I know.
0: And like, so why can we not? And I do think we need to change the narrative because I do think this woke thing with the whole woke generation now of, you know, hashtag me two, me three, me four let's do me five. Like we need to actually bring it back and go, what about men? Because right now in the film industry, there's so much funding for just Mm. women. That's Mm. now going. So the the pendulum has swung so far that we're not appreciating males. Like what I was talking to earlier on about Wes. Wes had a, you know, implication of what was going on in your lives at that time. Mm. And I do feel that fundamentally men are now actually not even sometimes regarded. And so, we can be empowering on all levels but we just need equality and equality means we have the right to do what we want.
1: And we should all be able to, to to do what we want without obviously hurting ourselves or others and not be judged for us. And, you know, th- there's so much power in supporting others in the decisions they make that are right for them and their lives. And you can never really understand another person's decision unless you live their life and understand their reasons. And, you know, there's too much judgment that goes on. And I just think it's, Let other people make their own decisions, live their own lives. But you, you've really come so far in the sense that now, not that you weren't
0: that far already, but like with sharing all your stuff that you've shared and how has it impacted your life? Because I know that when you shared your fertility story and everything, you got thousands upon thousands of of emails and letters. How did that make you feel? And, And tell us a little bit about what you sort of received off the back of that.
1: Yeah, it was I suppose I didn't know what to expect by sharing it. And I just thought I need to share it because, um, because of what we'd been through was so intense and so traumatic at the time. I needed maybe the, the release. I mean, it's been cathartic to talk about Mm -hmm. it. And each time I talk about it, I, I, find something different to maybe discuss or, or find a different maybe feeling or emotion that comes up. Um, but also it was again, you know, making the decision to have a baby through surrogacy was the biggest thing we'd ever done in our lives. And I couldn't just turn up one day with a newborn baby and say it was mine. And for people to say, well, you weren't pregnant. So let's talk about this. You know, I, I was in a position where I wanted to discuss it, but also had to discuss it as well. So, um so i was i suppose i was amazed and overwhelmed at the response and it was all so positive and supportive and um i just felt it it enabled other people particularly women to open up about their own experiences and i really felt that there were so many stories out there to be shared and and you know it's so healing to share our stories and to talk to others about what we've been through. And you know that was, I suppose, the overriding feeling that I got that yeah. that other people were were really just keen to share their experiences and and find that support from from others. Um, and I, I still feel it. You know, I, I do talk still a lot about our, our experiences. And there's been obviously a lot of, in the media lately about surrogacy and legislation around surrogacies so um you know that's just another aspect to our story and and then you know with the the invasion or the war in ukraine um we brought our surrogate and her family over in april to to live in ireland and you know that's another element i suppose to our our story and our experience that's it's sort of the story that that keeps on giving (laughs)
0: yeah um When when you spoke to me the last time rosanna you were very worried how do you feel now?
1: And how how was was how life now? Well, we felt. I mean, we contacted Anastasia and her family back in February when the war started, and just said, you know, if you can get out, then we'll we'll give you a home in Ireland. And at the time, she wasn't able to leave um her city, Kherson, in southern Ukraine. But she contacted me then. It was actually my birthday, I think, in April, and just said that they got out. It was a harrowing, traumatic uh, three j three-day journey drive across Ukraine with her little five-year-old girl and their dog and um, they made it to the Polish border and she said what do we do next And I said we'll come to Ireland and we'll we'll give you a home to live in okay. and we've given we've put them into an apartment near to us and um, I suppose firstly we don't have the spare room because the kids rooms um, but also secondly they've well, they've been through so much. I don't want them to live with three toddlers and be woken at five every morning as we are. So I just thought. Are that you
0: they've... five every morning?
1: Five. Yeah, it was 10 past five this morning. So I'm probably a little bit <laughs> exhausted now at this stage. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's Sophia, it's, the boys are fine. They don't wake up until about half six. But Sophia. Oh, sure. Ayla and Aaron are in every day at four or I every mean, most nights at four. Oh, my
0: goodness. There's a the vomiting bug they're the last oh, few days. Oh, it's so just I'm, awful. I'm up there washing sheets. You know the way oh, it's
1: you, I, I said to my mum Awful there, when they're to my sick mom, I'm
0: sure you could say to Diane Your mum I said to my mum I now know what you did
1: Yeah You know all the Yeah The washing of the, the You realise Yeah and Nits and things like that nits. I'm just oh, looking your, Did your guys get nits? No I'm just saying Later on When they're in school and
0: that No because mine got nits When I was in the hospital Pregnant with Ayla Erin had them And oh, I don't know God. how she got them And it's it's literally Yeah It's another trauma Yeah it's horrendous what is your favorite word?
1: Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's hard. My favorite word. Oh, I like the word flabbergasted. Oh, I love it. And what's your least favorite word? Moist. Ah,
0: love that. I know that that's connotations. It's like really, I know. What turns you on, Rosanna Davison? in what sense Siobhan got say where are we West. going
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, whatever yeah. you
0: feel the word makes you feel what turns you on
1: what turns me on um, I suppose when we're talking about Wes um, well I like his big muscly tanned arms <laughs> <laughs> uh, what turns you off <laughs> oh bad hygiene and dirty oh. fingernails luckily he's, he showers every day he's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love when my babies are giggling with happiness. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> Baby giggling. Um, and what one do you hate? Oh, when they're screaming and crying and whinging and fighting.
0: I just can't, I, I don't know how to compute. Whinging. And- uh, what's your favorite, I don't think this is really relevant to you, but what's your favorite curse word? Bollocks. <laughs> oh, sorry, I it You said that. You said it straight away. So you're dead right there with that one. Um, <gasps> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Um, I, I mean, I know I trained as a nutritionist, but at some stage I would love to um, open a clinic. Or I am. I'm thinking possibly about going back to college at some stage and um, studying dietetics to become a dietitian.
0: So well, like we had this conversation before like you you remember you said, you said to me I'm a nerd Siobhan yeah.
1: You actually love
0: being a nerd don't you? You love studying.
1: I do you know oh what I'm when I'm when I'm doing it I always say never again. I can't stand it it's so stressful. <laughs> and then I miss it after a few years and I love <laughs> the challenge. And I think when you're you know I'm home most of the time with the the kids changing nappies you kind of start to think oh I'd love to use my brain properly again. So I know. That's right. all. I know. The um, and I want would you not like to do? I wouldn't be great at maybe being a builder because I, you know... I'm just strong, Covered in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't like heights. I wouldn't like to be on top of the scaffolding. Or um, I like getting my hands dirty. You know, I used to love clay and pottery in school. So I actually would like yeah. that. What wouldn't I like? I don't know. I'm pretty hands-on. I don't mind yeah. sort of getting my hands dirty. Maybe, and, maybe working in a meat factory. I wouldn't oh, you know, I like would, that. Very yeah,
0: much. sorry, Miss Vegan. <laughs> so, of course, yeah. you would hate that. But <laughs> um, then you get COVID. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Go back. It's not your time yet. That's <laughs> fabulous, Rosanna. Well, listen. Thank you so much for joining me as always, and it was a pleasure. And you look fabulous. Is that your Nana behind you? Thank you. Oh, Is that yeah. Your Nana? Um,
1: um, on our wedding lap my wedding day to her me and Wes wedding day she came along and how was she I just love it great um, she just celebrated her 96th birthday oh. and we went down to visit her last week and I just brought Sophia down I, I left the boys at home with um, our child because they're they're just at that stage where they're grabbing everything I know and right? climbing on everything and you're like they're just destruction she's adorable personified but she's she's dote, and she 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 says chocolate and porridge are her secrets to longevity. So that's that's my there you go. my chocolate and porridge. nutrition plan there. <laughs> Excuse me, absolutely fabulous. I'm sneezing
0: now. I don't have COVID, I don't think, because I did okay. like two few days ago, but like I don't know, it's the pollen, it's the pollen
1: yeah thank I've you. had a bit of yeah a, a stuffy nose but I think it's it's pollen
0: as well I think I'm lovely great. to see you my darling <laughs> you in, too. in real life and thank you so so much for joining us
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thanks to Rosanna Davison if you enjoyed the podcast do subscribe wherever you get your pods and next week we chat to broadcaster Lorraine Keane talk then